This is the SFF Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Jesse. Hello, I'm Paul. We're going to talk about Grave Descend, a novel by Michael Crichton, first published in 1970 as under the pseudonym John Lang, and republished is as a hard case crime relatively recently. Um, this is a very short book, Paul. Um, I, I'm, I'm not going to bury the lead there. I think it was way too short. Yeah, too short is it's just like what, 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 right? is it, what is this over? It's like it's what, it's three hours it, it, thirty nine minutes. Yeah, that's I mean, a very I know short. You don't book. like the long book. I know you don't like the long books, Jesse. But could have this one been really, longer? Should have been longer. It it, it, it just feels like where's the there there to this book? Like it, I, it feels like everything uh, yeah. happens. It's it is short. It, I'll it give just, it that. <laughs> I like, where, I think this is must be his shortest book, right? Because this is most most of the time, people these days would say this isn't even a novel uh, based on the length. Um, I noted uh, somebody on Goodreads said um, uh, this is the shortest John Lang book by Hard Case Crime, and the font is incredibly big. I'm like, it would have to be to fill that the pages, right? You just have to pump up the on the font uh, size, uh, the point size. I would say I mean, that's uh, kind of kind, kind of reverse of the book we were talking about in the free chat, the uh, the outline of history by H. E. Wells, where the font is tiny. Uh, yeah, and thin pages, right? Thin and paper. thin pages to fit the, to fit to fit this uh, book into a thousand, fit the entire history of the world into a thousand pages. It takes that. Yeah, and you know, I've, other tricks I've seen is like they put the margin, the font, the print closer to the margins, you know, to margin, fill it up yep. or shrink it down. Um, it is a short book, but I've read shorter that are considered novels, like um, Postman Always Rings yeah. Twice. That's like 99 yeah, pages. Not- this is uh, 159 pages originally, I believe, which is very slim. Um, and I would say... Yeah, I'm not saying it's not a novel, but yeah. It's, uh, yeah, what makes it a novel is not just the word count, right? But it is definitely a novel. It's a complete story. It's a relatively long story. It would probably be considered a no- novella today. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, 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 I think if, like, say, Tor.com were to put it out, it would be mm-hmm. put out as a novella these days. But they just That's wouldn't fair. put it out. They would say, pump it up, <laughs> right? So uh, No, 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 you, no, 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 no. I um, know novellas the, exist. The, I know they exist. And Tor in particular makes them. But if you want to so, get yeah, it so as the, a paper book, you really have um, to. No, you, no. They, they, also put, they also put out their novellas into, into paper as well as e-books. Like, they? Yes, what well, like for example, like um, like one I listened to recently, um, because I had so much time this week, um, was <laughs> a tour dot com novella. Yeah, a tour dot com novella called Finna F I N N A, which was like four hours long as an so longer than this book. <laughs> so longer than this book, but it. I mean, they have a paper version that's how many pages? Let's see, um, um, hundred forty four pages. That's very, very thin book. Where did you get that? I've never um, seen a book that thin in modern era. They send me books in the mail, but they're much thicker than that. Because that's enough. Yeah. You, that's a book size where you could slap another uh, dose of dose and have a, a double, right? 
like an ace double right, or they, four double. The doubles really aren't done anymore. So. I know, and that's crazy because they're awesome. It's so fun. I, Great format. It, 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 it is a pity that the, the that that format seems to have died. Um, you know, one of the reasons it, is because the covers suck. They even have two crabby covers on both sides. <laughs> it's yeah, one it, good cover, and they don't even have one good cover. So let's get it, in. It, let's dive into this book, Paul. <laughs> I saw what you did there. I know. So, uh, um, what did you think of the main character's name, McGregor? It, 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 it sounded very like Scotch, Scotch, Scottish sort of engineer type. Like, okay, yep. he's he's been bumming around the islands and now does now does these uh, underwater expeditions because he's living in "quote unquote" paradise, aka Jamaica, and. Mm-hmm. So I, I I mean I kept thinking a lot of um, Ian Fleming in this book. You should, not, you absolutely not, should. Not, not not the least because Ian Fleming lived in Jamaica. So yep. and then we have lots of intrigue going on here. Mm-hmm. Not espionage, but lots of corporate in, corporate and. Well, we don't know that at the most of the book, right? It's pretty good at uh, set, like once. Uh, I think the the best part of the book is where. He shows up uh, to look at the house, and he sees the boat there still in the water. I was like, "What?" Well, I, yeah, I was like, "What?" Whoa! And I said, "This is going to be a good book," and that was the high point. <laughs> There's some good stuff. Um, yeah. There's some good stuff in here, but that was the high point. I, I, I agree with you. Him, him discovering, I mean, and but it feels, but it feels okay. Facile is not the right word. It feels really weird because you you, you think that. Um, his employers, such as they are, would have been ready for that. It, it, it seems it seems like it seems too easy of a what some call a reveal. I mean, yes, it does look like he's being set up to take a fall, and he and and basically have the authorities wind up uh, um, getting getting him getting into trouble with the authorities. But it feels very odd that he was so easy to be able to find out that it's there's a lot of bullshit involved. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I mean, I, I kept I kept expecting as they're doing the flyover for something to break. That the they like say, "We know you know, yeah, yeah, for something to break." Well, something he tries to break it right, right as they're getting into the airplane. Right, he's saying, he's saying, "I want more money." He's trying to taste right, testing. No, no, but, them. But I was also expe- I was expecting as was like the, as we're flying over the plane, like flying over the the spots, like saying, as as you know, here it is, sort of thing. Um, kind of like. Okay, I'm going to go slide thing. Um, um, in the movie, in the TV show, The Prisoner, when he's being flown over the uh, the village, and number two says that's the restaurant. The original skip says that's the restaurant as well. You know, which gives away that they already been surveilling him all this time, but they take away that take that away. I was kind of expecting almost like that. Like the guy says, like, oh, as you know, there's the wreck. It's like hey, we know that you know that this is all this is all a con. It's like it, it feels like it feels like he got that knowledge way too easily without uh, consequence. Well, I needed. guess if it was a longer book, he would a more convoluted way of getting to it. But, yeah, uh, because it feels way too straightforward. Like, oh, he already knows it's a con. Way it's too, a very I short mean, it novel. Chops too, <laughs> it, it chops it way too unrealistic for a case. I, I, I would say this is the weakest of all the John Lang books I've read so far. Um, because, I concur. It's, it's in a, part is because this is the one I least I like the least. And, yeah, but it's still good and and still very well written. Like his his handling of characters' thoughts is so good because we don't ever see them. 
we only see their actions, but we know what they're thinking because of how we infer based on what has been established, right? It's very, mm-hmm. it's very good. It, he's just a, a very naturally gifted writer. Um, maybe yes. he worked hard at it too. I don't know. Oh, but I'm going to tell you, he's just so smooth and clear. I could, I could eat one of these every day for a year and not, <laughs> not be upset. I mean, I might get tired because of it. I'd like to see No, they're not. Yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying these John Lang books, and this one's pretty good, even though it it has some weak weakness to it. Um, that I think it's caused in part by it's a, a bit rushed, as you say at the end. I think a little more so. Uh, some other people were saying that on Goodreads as well that it starts off well, and I think it starts off amazingly, like really good, slick, good, solid, and then once we find out what what's actually behind it. Like my ideas were probably more interesting. I was thinking he's, he's going to be a patsy and that is correct. Right. But I thought it was going to be a political assassination or something. And it was not, it was, um, it was just money, which is, and you know, diamonds. And it's like, eh, so I, so which made me think of Ed, which made me think of a much better novel, dancing mm-hmm. aztecs where we're like like i don't know if this is, is a better that's a better novel i think it's a funny i think novel. it is i i i i think it's funny when i think it's better than this yeah because that's this, i think this, that's a weak this, weak west this, this feel i mean for, for, for its for its length i think this is missing a beat and a half or so mm. it's just it just it's it's kind of like an engine that's just not doesn't quite I mean, it's it's a good engine, but it's kind of not quite getting. Uh, Paul, you know going. what this is really is, right? Is it's a television show that is going to be a really good show, and this is like one episode. It's like the pilot episode because we've got this diver character. He's got his sidekicks. He's got his girlfriend. He's got a motorcycle. He's got the island setting. There's villainous people, and there's the cop who. And you know, says you got forty eight hours. <laughs> it's a setup for a yeah, series, yeah. television series. Yeah, the the forty eight hours to clear up. I have a note here. Makes me think of uh, the provisional liberty that John Roby gets into Catch a Thief. Oh well, what like, a, absolutely. It's it's definitely that. But there are also a movie called Forty Eight Hours, it, right? And then well, you get yes. another one, another Forty Eight Hours. Yes, yeah, yes. But I'd, I'd rather rewatch the Catch a Thief than well. That's than, a, uh, that's a particularly great movie, though. Yeah, and wow, yeah. Forty Eight Hours was a good movie. I don't remember it very well, but I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. But I'm just saying to Catch the Thief yeah, is one of the it's like a top ten movies of all time. Yeah. So I'm, that's where that's so, where my uh, mind went. I want to tell you uh, where my mind went when I heard the name McGregor because you will not, mm-hmm. other than yeah, it's a Scottish name or whatever. Um, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> Beatrix Potter. Um, because I, I was not. I, <laughs> I knew you wouldn't know that. Okay. Um, so and Peter Rabbit. Uh, the first Beatrix Potter story. Um, uh, Peter Rabbit's mom, I guess Mrs. Rabbit, has a bunch of babies, and she warns them not to go into, uh, specifically warns Peter not to go into Mr. McGregor's garden. Mr. McGregor's farm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, uh, of course, Peter Rabbit uh, squishes under the uh, fence, damaging his, his jacket, which he needs apparently, and maybe pulling off one of his buttons, and then he goes and starts eating vegetables in Mr. McGregor's garden. And then Mr. McGregor, Mr. McGregor, who is literally, like, looks like God, he's giant, and he's got a big white beard, and it's the Garden of Eden, essentially. <laughs> he tries to kill yeah. Peter. 
And Peter is like hiding in a bush, uh, naked and afraid, <laughs> like <laughs> like in in uh, he's he's feeling shame, and then um, and then he luckily escapes. So that doesn't really make any sense, right? As a, a place, unless we think of the island of Jamaica as uh, McGregor's garden, and these guys have messed with him by showing up, and and that it, so it doesn't really work. But his first name, James, it's James Bond, right? Yes, bit. exactly. We were talking about Ian Fleming. Yes. Indeed. And in fact, um, I was saying this is a kind of familiar plot. I haven't looked it up, so I'm just going to look it up now. But there is a, a novel by Ian Fleming. It's not set in Jamaica, surprisingly, even though most, uh, you know, when he goes to the Caribbean, he goes to Jamaica. Um, it's, a, mm -hmm. it's a novel called uh, Thunderball. And it I got turned the into movie. two movies. Um, oh, that's right. It, right he remade right. it with never the same actor. Again. Yes. Yeah. Well, uh, no, with a different actor. No, no. Sean Connery was, was in both. That, was he? I thought. Yeah. Moore was one. I thought Moore was in one and uh, Connery. No, was it was Sean Connery and then Sean Connery, which is hilarious. Right? Are you? No, you are absolutely right. That I'm completely. Yeah, I was like, what? Huh. So let's see. What year did that come out? 1965 is for the movie, so the book would have been before that. Um. So in that book, um, it isn't. I want to. I want to say it's Bermuda, but it's not. Um, it's the Bahamas. Um, the plot is, and tell tell me if this sounds familiar. The plot is, uh, other than there's some stuff about James Bond having to go to a health resort because his boss is feeling sick. Um, uh, other than that stuff, James Bond uh, has to go to the Bahamas because. Um, an Italian, a NATO pilot, uh, defected with a uh, what's well, essentially a Vulcan aircraft, which is like an, a British uh, nuclear uh, bomber. Yeah, um, it's the ones they use to attack uh, uh, those islands off of Argentina that I always forget the name of. Falklands. Falklands, right? Yeah, they went down to the Falklands and bombed the runway with Vulcans. They're, they're not called Vulcans in the book uh, because I think it's top secret stuff at the time still. Anyways, um, uh, defected with a Vulcan with two nukes um, on board and uh, flew somewhere into the area of the Bahamas. And uh, James Bond's job is to find out where the plane is get the bombs back because uh, it's, you know, the end of the Nobody world. Nobody wants loose nukes. Yeah, <laughs> Spectre is going to sell the nukes on the open market or whatever. Um, so uh, what does James Bond do? He shows up, um, finds a, a, a girl who, uh, you know, is attractive to him, um, hires an airplane, flies around, finds out that the girl is um, uh living in a house near a ship that's anchored off oh no not a ship i'm sorry um near where the airplane went down on just under the water and he spots it and then uh the owner of the house <laughs> it's like exactly the same story except it's set in jamaica instead of the bahamas and it's instead of nukes it's it's uh diamonds so it's like a smaller scale version of it and uh, like a lot of the yeah, uh, you know, um, uh, what's the name of the town? This is set in. It's uh, Oco Rios. Um, that's right. the. Uh, that's. Uh, it's got an airport. It's called Ian Fleming Airport now. 
Well, that doesn't surprise. I mean, this this he did a lot for the tourism economy of Jamaica, right? So uh, it makes sense that they're uh, so makes makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of the things that are happening in this are very familiar because it, I think, is him doing James Bond on like a on a scale that um, Crichton is familiar with. Like obviously, like you can see, like if you didn't know, but you're looking for the signs, is this written by Michael Crichton? One of the books I think we should do next um, is mm-hmm. uh, The Venom Business. Um, it's something to do with snakes. I haven't read the book, but we get a lot of like reptile stuff in this book, right? For such a short book. We get uh, snake snake stuff. We get uh, ocel- ocelot stuff. <laughs> uh, we get we get the the ocelot. I gotta admit, I love the ocelot stuff. And, 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 and the woman just complaining about Fiona kill- yeah, and having to get a second ocelot because ocelots can't be alone and yep. the, the, the Fiona being nasty to the first boyfriend ocelot. I, I love nasty, that little yeah. thing. Um, did, have, you, have you watched Archer, the cartoon? I'm only, I'm only vaguely familiar with the concept. Oh, I've really never good. actually really watched it. It starts it's off just too much rough. too little time. Oh, it's so good. It's on Netflix in Canada anyways. Yeah. I, it starts off I um, a little rough, but after about – uh, first episode it gets really good. Uh, one of the characters uh, is a rich person uh, and has an ocelot. And uh, I, I'm like, the ocelots don't come up much, so I started thinking about maybe whoever uh, was writing that show had <laughs> read this book because there's a lot of ocelot action in this book, um, a lot of o- ocelot talk, and it's ridiculous uh, because it's so strange. Uh, like that whole scene where there's a lady who needs a, a hitchhike ride in the ocelot. I'm like, you can't trust this lady. <laughs> I mean, it's like, what is he thinking? Does he trust her? I don't think he does, but he's going along with it, right? He's going along we with it. We thought something was going to happen because he says, how much farther along? Or you said just a couple of miles. It's just, just a little more, right? So we, uh-oh, he's going deeper and deeper. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, but I, I think, I think. Crichton was playing with our expectations, but yep. then she shows up at 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 the at the mansion. So mm-hmm. like, yeah, I I kind of like, yeah, I kind of saw that coming. That we were, I mean, given given how short this is, Crichton wasn't going to waste the ocelot lady, and of course he was going to bring her back. Obviously. Yeah, every everything it is very lean and everything it's is very, used very economy to it. Yes, yes, and that's also like, a very Ian Fleming move is to have like some exotic pet, you know, like. Uh, there's like an a- alligator farm or a guy with a hat that can chop people's heads off or whatever. Like it's just sort of ex- the exotic strangeness that it's not science fiction, but it's sort of like odd, right? It's not a science fiction gimmick, but it's like that sort of thing that makes you say this is much more like the prisoner than it is like, uh, you know, a standard uh, spy who came in from the cold sort of story. Uh, okay, so so by the time this podcast comes out, the book should be out. So I'm going to tell you about a book I read an early arc of, but should right. be coming out like March of 2023. So by this, by the time you listen to this, listeners, the book is out and you should read it. It's called Season of Skulls by Charles Strauss. It's part of his Laundry Files book, Network Universe. And the main character winds up in a dreamland sort of space, and literal, quite literally, Um because in the Laundry Files verse, Cthulhu entities are real and Nyarlathotep uh, runs Britain. 
But anyway, she winds up in a dreamland version of early 19th century Britain where somebody has gone back into these in this world and built basically the village of the prisoner 100 years early, complete with Rover. Rover is a Shoggoth. <laughs> it's brilliant. <laughs> and basically, it's, it's F. Hammond's spies captain there. It's a book that speaks to Paul. It's got everything. Basically, instead of spies being stuck there, it's sorcerers. And because she's the sorcerer herself. It's like you're basically rogue sorcerers stuck in a village with a Shoggoth keeping them in. Which is mm. just, it's, it's, and, and the main character knows the series series is like, oh, God. She, she wonders, like, well, what could Rover be? And she finds out it's a Shoggoth. Like, oh, crap. I am really in trouble. Well, yeah, I, I, I've only read like a little bit of the uh, Charles Strauss uh, universe books, but um, he's he's good. Yeah, I, I really enjoy his work. I mean, I mean, that's why he let me uh, read another copy of this because he knows I'm a fan of his work. And mm-hmm. how long is that one? Is that a full that's... full novel? It's a full novel. All right, so yeah, much longer than this. <laughs> much longer than this, sadly. And it's also way off topic, but you know, I couldn't resist. All right. Um, that end. so yeah so so yeah so so yeah so it's just like it feels like it feels like we get to the him knowing about the ship too easily and and then it's like kind of ticking things off until like well what is this all about and in the end it's all about diamonds and he's going to get diamonds in the end which kind of makes me think of the movie inside man well, I, I was thinking inside. diamonds are forever but <laughs> yeah i was thinking i was thinking inside man mm-hmm. where we have where the plot turns on them stealing diamonds and the cop winds up with one of his own. There was yeah. a lot of there was a lot of um I think the setup is incredible and the payoff is not. Um the payoff is mm. fine, right? Because yeah, yeah, the, the payoff is adi- all the surprises, yeah, the ticking time bomb, literally uh remote bomb in the in the sh- ship, uh you know, all the diving, the sharks, it's all all good stuff. There's lots of great stuff in there, but all the all the twists of like surprises are good but they're not warranted really right they're not warranted in that they're paid off by a an amazing explanation i think it's more like a loosey-goosey like i don't know i don't know that he worked the book out before he started writing it is what i'm saying um he figured it out but diamonds not so interesting now what I will give you is the ending where, you know, they're going to go diving and get the, the diamonds. Get, get, get some That's of the good. diamonds. You think it's seven, eight diamonds at the yeah. end. Yeah. I, I and then it. they open up sense. a dive shop slash hotel on some other island. It's, it's great. It's fine. Good ending. Um, not a series, television series anymore. <laughs> you can't set it up that no. way. Not a weekly television series where a diver solves problems. So, uh, I believe. So, diver solves crimes. Yeah, I, I I believe there's like a couple other book series that are out there. Like I haven't read the uh, the one. You think you like Clive Custler? Yeah, the Clive Custler series, and then yeah, there's um. I I, I believe tying to the project, there's a Clive Custler book where he winds up trying to find Atlantis at one point. Yeah, yeah, which ties in with our project. It does. Um, but there's also a Travis McGee series, which I really want to get into. But um, John you know, McDonald. Yeah, John D. McDonald. I think it is. Yeah. Um, that series is super popular with, was super popular with, uh, readers in the seventies. And, um, I, I just find books of this length and of this period to be very slick and easy to read. Um, 
So even but this when, one, I feel, is just a little too short. And I agree. Not, not I agree. Really it's worked not, out. I, I'm not usually. T- I, I'm not sure that it was a shortness problem, but it is a not worked I, out I, perfectly problem. Um, I want to talk about um, the 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 title, and it is revealed at the end where it comes from. But I I was like this Samuel Johnson guy. Do you know? Oh yeah, Dr. I want to talk Samuel about Johnson. Johnson too. I, I wanted to talk about this book's weird fascination with him. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, in part, I think uh, it it's explainable entirely by Michael Crichton, <laughs> right? Michael Crichton is a doctor, but not less than Samuel Johnson is. Except he kind of is, because Samuel Johnson was not a medical doctor, right? He's called Doctor Johnson, but he wa- he wasn't a medical doctor. He's just that's sort of how people knew him. It's like his pseudonym in a certain sense, except it's it's really his name. But the doctor's more like he he knows stuff. Right. It's yeah. more like Doctor well, Who, Doctor, you know. Um, and he what he's he's most famous for everybody knows is his dictionary, um, right? And there's an episode of uh, Blackadder that makes fun of that to great extent, uh, played by Robbie Coltrane, I believe. Um, Robbie Coltrane as Samuel Johnson. Wow. I you haven't seen that one? Oh, it's so good. It's no, so I have not. It sounds well, great. Well, oh, it's so good. Baldrick uh, and um, and Blackadder invite uh, Samuel Johnson over, and Blackadder wants to add some vocab words to the dictionary. And then um, it's cold in the house, so, so uh, uh, <laughs> Baldrick needs to light a fire, and he uses the dictionary. <laughs> So, oh, so um, Black Hatter has to try and rewrite Doctor Samuel Johnson's dictionary overnight. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, it's a it's, he's famous for this dictionary, um, you know, a useful book, but that's not what you know most people know him for at the time, um, and most people didn't know he had like a so the title comes from this poem. It's mentioned at the end. They read part of it in the the, the uh, police detective, uh, police captain uses part of it. Um, but uh, I'll just read the whole thing here and then talk about who it's dedicated to. So uh, Robert yeah. Levitt, um, and Levitt is one of the character names. So that's where that character name came from, I think, is John, uh, Crichton's obsession with Johnson led him to name a character Levitt and then Probably the whole book comes from just that lie, that quote in the second stanza here. Condemned to hope, delusive mine, as on we toil from day to day, by sudden blast or slow, slow decline, our social comforts drop away. We try through many a varying year, see Levitt to the grave descend, officious, innocent, sincere, of every friendless name, the friend. Yet he still fills affection's eye, obscurely wise and coarse and kind, nor lettered arrogance deny thy praise to merit unrefined. It's very hard to understand what's going on, but I'll explain after. Uh, When fainting nature called for aid and hovering death prepared the blow, his vigorous remedy displayed the power of art without the show. In misery's darkest caverns known, his ready help was ever nigh, where hopeless anguish poured his groan and lonely want retired to die. No summons mocked by chill delay, no pains 
sorry, sorry, no petty gains disdained by pride, the modest wants of every day, the toil of every day supplied. So it's completely impenetrable, right? And it's because it's out of the context of it is it is uh, Johnson's um, eulogy for his uh, friend Robert Levitt, um, who was a very strangely uh, a waiter. Uh, we talked about waiters, I guess, uh, in the pre-show as well. Um, yes, and he was his personal waiter, which is very odd. Um, <laughs> He lived in Johnson's house. Uh, he was a Yorkshireman who uh, moved to Paris to become a waiter. Um, and then uh, when Johnson uh, found him, um, they became friends in a strange way because uh, he was a strange man. Uh, not just Johnson was a strange man, but Levitt was a strange man. Um, he didn't talk much, but... Um, Basically, what happened was uh, he was uh, obviously a very poor, uneducated person, but very uh, good listener. And he would listen to, as a waiter, he would listen to the uh, medical practitioners who attended his restaurants and would take their case consultations and use them to do his own consulting. So basically he was, he's performing the role of a medical practitioner for the poor. Uh, and, uh, because he's not a, um, uh, licensed licensed doctor, doctor. right. Which is eventually a thing. Um, and because he's just a Yorkshireman with, you know, working in, (laughs) working in France, um, working knowledge, yeah. Right. He uh, he doesn't gain any fame or reputation. But uh, Johnson saw that this guy is, you know, amazing. Because that's a pretty interesting... Uh, you, you never hear about that, where some waiter or waitress is listening to customers in the restaurant and then applying the knowledge that they have based on those recommendations to uh, other work. And so apparently he gained quite a um, reputation as a uh, medical, uh, uh, non-official medical practitioner in the lower classes, which is what he was from. And so this, uh, apparently there was um, some plans to send him to medical school and such, but uh, he was quite elderly, or he was quite old at the time, I think, that this was happening. So when... um, uh, this guy Johnson had him in living in his house, uh, you know, in his own separate apartments for what sounds like decades, which is uh, quite bizarre. But Johnson, you know, he's a wealthy man. He had one wife and she died. And so they have a strange relationship. And so when you're reading it again, you can see, like, it makes a little more sense. Condemned to hope's delusive mind. As on we toil from day to day, by sudden blast or slow decline, our social comforts drop away. He's talking about his relationship with, with, with Levitt. We'd try mm-hmm. through many a varying year, see Levitt to the grave descent. So he's talking about his death. Officious, innocent, sincere, of every friendless name, the friend. So he didn't have a lot of friends. He was a very taciturn person. 
But when anything was revealed about him, um, it would be surprising and insightful and very humane. Uh, we keep going. Yet still he fills affection's eye, obscurely wise, coarsely kind, uh, bad manners because he's not born into wealth, nor lettered arrogance deny thy praise to merit unrefined. When fainting nature called for aid and hovering death prepared the blow, his vigorous remedy displayed the power of art without the show. So that is referring to uh, the ability to help people get... So it, on the Wikipedia entry for... Um, Levitt, it talks about him being an apothecary, which is, mm-hmm. you know, pharmacist, basically. A drug, yeah, pharmacist. Drug, but, drug yeah, but uh, if, you, if you've got this disease, take this drug, right? Um, so how would he do this? We don't really know. We're too uh, hidden by it, but that's what's being referred to here. In misery's darkest caverns, no, his ready help was ever nigh, as in near, where hopeless anguish poured his groan and lonely want retired to die uh so didn't he wasn't doing it for the money it sounds like no summons mocked by chill delay no petty gains disdained by pride the modest wants of every day the toil of every day supplied so this has nothing to do with the book other than Crichton said i like that line grave descend and he's reading about samuel johnson (laughs) right yes and so he wraps a whole book uh, about this and the James Bond, right? Um, so it's sort of a modest uh, reason for having it. Um, what's funny, though, is he has the character who's, uh, you know, the cool dive guy, McGregor, uh, this James Bond stand-in, is also the stand-in, I think, for Crichton himself, you know, interested in diving and adventuring, right? When he's always, mm-hmm. He was a travel yeah, writer. Yeah, that makes sense. Um and he has um, he has the uh, character uh, when he hears the name Levitt for the first time, he says, "Why is that familiar?" And we're we're like, "Do we hear this earlier in the book?" And the answer yeah. is no, <laughs> we didn't. He knows the character knows Levitt as a rich guy on the island, right? Uh, he has a, a house that has a name, just like. Um, uh, Ian Fleming had Goldeneye. What's the name of the house in this? Silver something, right? Yeah. I don't. It's not Silver Lake, but it's Silver something. Is the name of the house? Um, so he's he's doing that thing, but actually the recognition is double because it's also the recognition of the the poem and the title and right. and and so when Levitt's who's got a giant collection of books about Samuel Johnson. The bad guy? He's also the the bad guy. It's kind of clever. I like how he put this together. It's like, uh, I'm the bad guy, I'm the good guy, I'm the guy who put this book together, I'm the guy who sent this guy into the into the jungles. I, I know I'm the master puppet master. He's, he's like role-playing. I'm the puppet master, yes. Yeah, he's, role, he's doing role-playing um, NPCs, he's doing uh, the main character, he's sending the, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a fun adventure book. It, it it isn't much deeper than that, unfortunately. Not that maybe everything has to be that deep, but it's a good book. No, not everything has to be super deep. I mean, I, I just wanted a little more than what we got out of the deal. It just felt, felt a little little under... But it was good, though, right? Underdone. But what we had, yes. I mean, there's, there's some very lovely bits in here. And 
I, I mean, the, the whole obsession with Dr. Johnson is kind of a little weird, but you yeah, know, it's I just off with it. because it, it's not related to the book, right? It's, it is the book. It, That's it, the only it, thing it, that it is. It's just like, it's almost like he wanted to, uh, to, uh, whatchamacallit. He, he, he wanted, he, he read about Dr. Johnson stuff and like, I want to put this in the book and kind of like, yeah, as you said, it is the, is the justification for the book. Yeah. The, it's the explanation. Um, he, he liked the title. Um, I, I, I know that he did write, uh, later about traveling to Jamaica. Um, and we talked a lot about when it was an easy go. He traveled to, um, Egypt. We, Clearly thought he had been there, based on yes the book. Bay, bay, bay. I think that yeah. that's true here as well. Um, I can't prove that, but I know that he did later write another book set in Jamaica. Actually, um, what was this? Uh, Pirate Latitudes apparently was written in 1970 as well. Um, oh. so uh, that didn't get released until quite recently. I think 2006. It's 331 pages, something like that, and that that is uh, a pirate pirate book. Uh, set in Jamaica, so I, I'm pretty sure he had been there, um, because he gets the flavor right. I've never been to Jamaica, but I've been to um, uh, Belize, and uh, Belize is a lot like Jamaica. It's one of the, you know, it's the basically the only uh, Central Amer- It's the only Central American country that's English speaking. Like Jamaica right. is one of the uh, there's a few others, um, although Bur- no, but that's the one that's very it's native. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Native. Bermuda is is still part of the British Empire, whereas um, the Bahamas are not. It's not weird. It's like some are um, some are still in, some are still out, and those are both. Yeah, English well, speaking I'm, as I'm, well. I'm, 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 yeah, one just dropped out of the Commonwealth recently. Uh, I don't care. I, I think they both uh, have. One of the islands did, yeah. It doesn't really matter. The Commonwealth is useless. <laughs> it, it's it's just an excuse. You know, it's just an explanation. We're we're an empire. Nobody knows what the. There's a great YouTuber um, that does a lot of Canada stuff, and he talks about uh, what the Commonwealth is and what the, basically the Commonwealth is is people trying to figure out what the Commonwealth is. It's like um, there's a, there's a line there's a line about Canadian culture. Uh, and it's in, in, in the, was in the discourse 20, 30 years ago, uh, about what is Canadian culture, because we got to figure that out real quick. Cause basically we don't know what it is. It's, it's, it's not just toques and maple syrup. It's, uh, are you sure? Yeah. You that's sure? the problem is we're, 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 what we're all united around is that we're not Americans. <laughs> we're sure about that. Yes, we watch their TV and we are intimately tied with their politics and their, uh, you know, everything. But no, we're not Americans. That's the what. That's what unites us, and and that literally is how the the country was formed. Is like shit. Those those other colonies have broken off. How what are we going to do now? So, uh, Jamaican culture and um, uh, Belizean culture are not identical. They are not, but um, they're very similar. Uh, accent is similar. The poverty level is similar, similar. Um, and, uh, and the culture, uh, the, you know, the atmosphere and the, um, the, uh, recreation is similar. Uh, you know, they're both very warm. <laughs> um, 
So I, I, I was like, you couldn't, you couldn't have got that without going there. So I'm pretty sure he did. Um, and it makes me think that he must have been born into wealth. I don't know that that's true based on anything other than just the amount of travel he did as a young man. But his explanation for being a writer was uh, that he is he's paying his way through medical school. Um, maybe that's maybe that's just was an excuse. Because he didn't, I don't think he ever practiced medicine, right? Just like, I don't think so. I, I I'm pretty sure he did. I mean, maybe maybe he did his residency, and then you know that's ER, and then that's it. And just he started directing movies, and like, how could he have had a uh, a, a full medical career on top of that? But um, it's very why interesting. Don't we look, why don't we say Wikipedia? Um, let's see. He's born. Raised in Long Island, da, da, da. Um, went to Harvard, Harvard yeah, undergraduate Harvard study in literature. Um, I'm pretty sure he. It doesn't say anything yeah. about, about how wealthy his parents were. Um, he conducted an experiment exposing a professor he believed was giving abnormally low grades. He, informing another professor of his suspicions, Crichton submitted an essay by George Orwell in his own name, name and got a B minus. <laughs> That's <laughs> Very That's Crichton. It is a very Crichton. That's move. a very Crichton move. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Um, while at Harvard Medical School, he wrote odds on. Um, yeah, he wrote all the John Lang books. I, I wrote for furniture and groceries. He said later. Right. So it doesn't sound like he's running to wealth. No, he Not doesn't. Your- um, it, here's what it says: early life. Um, uh, John Henderson Crichton, a journalist, and Zula Miller Crichton, a homemaker. So, journalist is not rich. Was raised in Long Island, showed keen interest in writing. Uh, at 14, he had an article on a trip he took to Sunset Crater, published in the New York Times. So, basically, probably he did it all on his just being... And, you know, it's not that it's not impossible to, to travel to places either. Um, it's more expensive now. Everything's more expensive now. Could you believe how little money he was being offered? $100 a day for this big yeah, job? I'm like, holy shit, inflation, dude. Inflation is a real thing. Right? It's a real thing. And he says uh, it's going to be 200 <laughs> I'm like, oh, I have to think about this. Right? As like, So the inflation uh, game is uh, – and uh, – I was also wondering. I assume these were Jamaican dollars because they have no. I, well, I he paid he, when he goes to the restaurant in uh, Moorestown, which is a real place. Um, uh, it's a. It's one of. This is why Evan should have been on here. Um, it's not mentioned in the book, but that's a maroon community, one of the uh, escaped slave uh, communities inside of oh yeah the hills of. Uh, all of these countries is where escaped slaves go to hide. Um, uh, he gets uh, funny looks at him because he's he's uh, he's a white man and he's um, has an ankle b- bit by a crocodile. And yeah, so like all the stuff about crocodiles, like that's him being interested in these weird things. And and um, another thing that you know is connected to. This being a, in the doctor business is uh, this book called the Venom Business. Maybe that's the one we should do next. Um, yeah, medicine of of um, non plant based variety basically consists only of uh, venom. 
Isn't that interesting? So cool. It's it's why on the what's the staff of Asclepius? Is that the one it's called? The one with the two snakes entwining the Mercury symbol. I, 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 I Caduceus, yes. Caduceus. Caduceus yeah. Okay, so um, there's one with two and one with one. Uh, the one with one is, I think, for paramedics, and the one with two is, I think, for doctors. I can't remember. In any case, um, the snake, uh, like snake, snake venom, is used as treatment for things. Um, everything else is plants. <laughs> um, so we got like uh, digitalis, right? The foxglove. That's heart medicine, and it's also the stuff that uh, it's nitroglycerin, right? So it's like you have plants and you have snakes, and that's basically the extent of our our medical practice. The, the weird part, though, is usually plants don't you know attack you. They can, um, and you know they have various defenses that we use to uh, you know gloves to pluck them or thorns or whatever. But snakes um, is where it gets dangerous and. Um, Snake bites cause damage, and so uh, I, I think that'll be interesting because what I can tell about this guy, even when he's playing very adventurous games like with this book, um, he's really interested in thinking about stuff. So there's well, that, a lot of thinking that, going that, on in here. That's definitely true. Yeah. But it shows up in the details, like him talking about the the uh, crocodiles of the island. I'm talking about, uh, I think there's some venom business in this. I don't remember what part, but um, he isn't just, he isn't just in it for the girls, which he is in it for. There's three, at least three girls in here. And, and unlike uh, some of the previous books, like binary, (laughs) that we never see a naked girl in that one. There's a girl off a diving ship in or off a ship in this one. That never actually happens either, Paul, right? The cover's a lie. I know. Because she cover, says she cover. says I I've, I was in the water. She never was in the water. She lied. No, no, it, there's a lot of lying going on right away. Mm-hmm. And the, um, I I, oh, I thought the captain was telling the truth, and I think he was supposed to he was supposed to think like what what did you make of that? The ca- when he goes to the girl and she has her story, and then the captain has his story and he's drinking. They were both coached, right? They were both coached and coached. And then that's the question. Were they coached to give different answers or they just screwed it In- up? Interesting. Uh, so I thought I thought he's doing detective work. And actually, there's a shout out to Sherlock Holmes in here. Um, the the police detective, uh, Captain, um, he mm-hmm. has a little thing with him when he says he looks at the mud on his shirt or whatever. And he, and he wipes it off on his finger and he says it has... Um, <laughs> It has uh, alum in it, or something, and he yeah, says he, he whatever. Yeah, he some forensics. Yeah, that's right. And he says, "All uh, our smart Alec uh, main character says, I'll be sure to drop some cigar ash here for you later, or whatever." Um, yes. that's another fa- That's another point that is like, um, I don't know if you know this, Paul, but bauxite. Bauxite is one of the things that uh, Jamaica is known as an exporter of. Bauxite I did not know that. Is, I know bauxite's important in the American West. That's all I know about that. Well, um, it's interesting. Um, it may be the case. I'm pretty sure it is, actually, that bauxite is shipped from, or was, from Jamaica through the Panama Canal up to British Columbia. 
it's basically it's dirt. And the reason is British Columbia has a lot of hydroelectricity. There's a small town uh, with a hydroelectric industry, and there's a company called Alcan, which is Aluminum Canada. And what they do is they take the river's electric, uh, the dam electricity, and they create aluminum out of bauxite, which requires a lot of electricity. Um, and Jamaica, it yeah. was a major export. I don't know if they still are a major exporter of bauxite. So he's even, in 1970. So he's even like, you know, giving us authentic details where this could be set in the Bahamas, but no, it's set on Jamaica because yeah, it, it ties it to Jamaica there. specifically mm-hmm. as opposed to any other land island. Mm-hmm. And then re- reading this uh, Wikipedia article on Crichton, apparently got as far as. Um, postdoctoral fellowship studies in medicine. He did a clinical rotation. He never got a, uh, he never did uh, get a medical practice license. Yeah, I, I don't think he, he as far would as have had time. Rotation. Yeah, he must have because ER is his experience uh, yeah. as an ER attendant, right? And that's yeah. that's the first step, basically, uh, being a, uh, before being a resident is you, you need to, it's, you know, it's all in that show uh, House as well, right? Um, right, but but the idea of you know being there in the hospital, learning twenty four seven for years, and then eventually you get your even though you're a doctor already, you get your official doctor status, and you can go out and practice, and and everybody says you did a good job, and now you don't have to study anymore, which is what most doctors do; they stop studying. But Michael Crichton. I don't think he was one of those guys who stopped studying. I think he kept studying everything. Just he's, it seems to be in his nature. So, not just outstanding in his uh, field because he's tall. He's outstanding because he's he's deeply interested in things. And um, yeah, you, you can't you can't fake that sort of curiosity and interest no, in stuff. That's, no. And and wanted wanted to achieve in so many areas, uh, the movie industry and. Um, directing movies is unheard of, right? Yeah, yeah, mu- yeah multi, multi, uh, multi-strand threats, as it were. So, yeah, yeah very interesting. So, well, uh, maybe we should book a Venom business. What do you think? I think we should. All right, I know that one's available. Other people. Yeah, uh, the next one get would be uh, February twelfth. Yeah, uh, let's see, um, February 12th is the next one. We we still need to book things like the Golden Slave and whatnot. No, that's too. already on there. Oh, that was, that's it the was week in before. the spot below. Mm-hmm. It was in the spot below, I cleaned that out. No, no, yeah, I cleaned that one out because we got that in yeah. uh, the 5th. Yeah. The we'll Venom business? We'll take the 5th on that. Ah. We'll take the 5th on that. Um, Bye. What's his name? Michael Crichton. Michael Crichton, yeah. a.k.a. John Lang. Mm-hmm. And I'll put Jesse, comma, Paul, comma, Cora. Cora, question mark. We show question marks until they confirm. David. Pulp covers Alex, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We'll, yeah. So we'll see, because now now, yeah, now, now it's baby time. For first comes Mo, then comes marriage, then comes baby in the carriage. I don't know if this is his first or not. Um, if it is his first, uh, there's going to be a lot of learning to do. 
There's going to be a lot of learning to do for sure. How come you haven't been on PUBG? You have, you've had your thingy turned off. Yeah, um, I've been having problems with my computer again. Oh, no. Um, mainly with audio. Like yesterday, like yesterday, I couldn't get the uh, my speakers to work. It was, it was it, and I also hmm. on on Thanksgiving you... wanted to play Minecraft with my friend, and that wouldn't work either. So yeah, I'm not I'm, I'm not in a happy place. Well, um, this is not. Uh, I'm not a computer doctor. No. Uh, <laughs> however, um, one of the things I've thought causes uh, widespread and various problems in my experience uh, with computers over the last 40 years, Paul, is um, power supply. Uh, did your power supply I I, come with your computer? I thought I got... Did you have it built? Did you have it built? Okay. Yeah. And what, do you remember the rating on your power supply? I don't remember. There's like a bunch of different ratings, and um, if you've got a, like, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, it's possible. I don't have enough juice, and so my computer. So is one just of the not, things, under- yeah, one of the things you can try is uh, reduce the number of things plugged into it, um, because they all sap power, especially audio. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I speakers pull a lot of power compared to, um, especially if they're not um, powered speakers. Are they powered? They have their own um, yeah, power supply. Yeah, they have their own power supply. Oh well, that it's 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 an ancient system of speakers, but it's not the speakers that are dying. It's just like the connection. No, I get it. It's, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, these it's are usually a USB failure. Things. Yeah, yeah. So I yeah I think maybe yeah, maybe I'm just I mean because I had I had a external drive attached to the computer. I unplugged that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've and been doing. I've been. I've been. Yeah. Sometimes rebooting, I just go to a black screen. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating. It's it's, a, it's frustrating as fuck. Pardon yeah, my language. No, I get it. So oh, you need to replace. Um, uh, oh, I guess frack that'll work for you. Although it's a little dated now. You were you said bullshit in the show. Bullshit. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, uh, bullshit is good. Good eh, word. Um, eh. I mean that's 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 very. Um, it's very the good place. Ah, is that where you got it from? Yeah, that's where. Oh, I, got it from. I think I remember. The, 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 whenever they tried to swear, it didn't work. Right, because they are quote unquote in heaven. Right, right. right. Spoiler, Jesse. I know they're not in heaven. I heard. Okay, just making sure. Just making sure. That, I'm, I'm not, it's not a show for me, but you know, you should watch Black Adder. I that's think you show. would actually like it. I, I watched it. Actually... I watched it. I, um, you didn't like it. I was especially when they get into debating philosophy that you'd be intri- into it. But, yeah, okay. I think it was. Yeah, a little, everything I think it was a little low, low level. I, like I liked, I like all the actors. Um, you know, they're some of my favorites. Um, but I didn't get into it, and I think it might have been just a low level issue. Uh, I finished uh, Primal, which is amazing. You should really watch that show if you can get it. Yeah, I should find the time. It's so good. It's it's um it's probably as close to Robert E. Howard as you're ever gonna get on a, as a cartoon. Um, and it's it's poignant. And then uh, there's uh almost no dialogue, right? What dialogue there is in it is generally in like um, Gaelic or something. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, it's never translated. But there's one episode where it's like completely out of the timeline of the rest, which is basically, you know, <laughs> Graham Hancock territory of, you know, dinosaurs and the <laughs> cavemen sort of thing. It's, it's just not, I'm making a joke that he doesn't believe that. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, it's it's all in the timeline of this you know fictional period that doesn't make any sense, but is so so well told and so beautiful, very poignant, and um, it has an amazing ending. But uh, the uh, there's one episode where it's like a bunch of British colonial guys in you know late 19th century sitting around a whole house during a storm smoking, and um, one of them says. Uh, when man is reduced to his primal nature, blah, blah, blah. And then some, like, monster caveman sort of thing attacks them. And they and they have this conversation about this thing. And it's just, it's like, it, it's, it's a show with a thesis, Paul, is what I'm saying. It's a show with I know a, you an like, idea. I know you like that sort of thing. I, I, really, like, I really like things that have a, uh, some idea they want to present. And I think that's really cool. Um, oh, and the other thing, um, Evan's not going to like this. Um, although I think uh, he's, he, he, it, it's really interesting, Paul. Um, what triggers people? You mentioned being triggered earlier, and you know today, what triggers people is I think very interesting because I know what I get triggered by is like Michio Kaku on TV, and nobody's saying <laughs> he's a fucking snake oil salesman. Right, nobody's saying yes, that. He is. I, I, I agree with you on that. I, yeah. not, I agree with you. You you I agree, but you're not passionate about it like I am, right? Like you 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 don't get triggered by it. You're just like, eh, you shrug your shoulders, right? Um I I make a mew of disgust and then watch something else. Right, right. But for me it's like I, injustice in the world. <laughs> right. So yes, whatever whatever justice. whatever triggers you, like literally uh makes you have a thing inside you that clicks that makes you rah, react um, is different and unique for every person. So Evan is triggered by certain things. You're triggered by certain things. I'm triggered by one of the things that triggers Evan is Star Wars. He thinks Star Wars is stupid. <laughs> He's right. Star Wars is stupid. But that doesn't mean all Star Wars is equally stupid. And uh, I started watching that show called Andor. Have you seen that yet? Yes. Yes, I've seen a couple episodes of Andor, and I think I think Evan. If he got over his dislike of Star Wars, we really like Andor because I don't know if he can. It's really good. It's very solid labor. in that area. It's there's, there's labor and colonial revolution, all sorts of good stuff. Yeah, we love that. I don't. I don't think he can get over it though. Um, but that's like a a block that he's put uh, because he's he's so invested in saying Star Wars is stupid. I agree. Star Wars is stupid. It's a stupid idea. It's been stupid since uh, Jedi, basically, right? And and yet I mentioned, um, I think it was Takora, uh, that this is the best Star Wars I've seen since uh, the movie that's based on what's it called? It's Rogue the, One. Rogue One, right? Which was not yeah. a perfect movie. It was not a perfect movie at all. It had some clunky bits here and there. Um, but what it did have was a good story and good storytelling. And this, it, I didn't even realize it was the same main character. I'd forgotten the movie so much. Oh, yeah. 
It's a prequel. Yeah, and I, I'm like, how much have they aged? But I, I, and I usually don't like prequels. I usually think prequels don't work. They don't usually, and they don't. This and is they're an, they're this mining stuff. Exception. But what's interesting here is they're the stuff that they're mining is not necessarily the the Rogue One, which was a mining Star Wars, right? What they're here is they're saying, well, look, if there was a rebellion, how did it start? And that's what... So I finished it. Uh, it's up to episode 12. I watched the last one last night. Yeah. Uh, and I got to tell you, Paul, it's pretty good. It makes you want to watch the second yeah. season, which apparently they're going to be the last of. And um, some characters show up like us. Oh, I kind of recognize that character. Except maybe it's, you know... But I didn't even recognize the main actor, but he's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, so um, not everything Star Wars is equally shit. And this is sure. this is uh, uh this is better than the Mandalorian in intelligence. Mandalorian does very good on the feels, right? Oh, it's a cute little baby. It's a baby it's Yoda. It's a baby Yoda. Oh. It's a baby Yoda. And armor's cool, Paul. I like armor. Do you like armor? Yes, armor's cool. Um there's well, a few our, good things. Our, our it looks good, right? But I I hear the other shows like the the one with the, I don't know, the guy who looks like Mandalorian guy. I don't even. Oh, oh, you mean oh, oh, you mean Fat Boba Fett? Boba Fett, right? I hear that show's terrible. Um, I have not seen it, right. so I can't. But I can't you heard Andor was good, and you were told correctly. It's I, pretty good. I was told correctly. It's like literally pretty good. It's not amazing. But uh, what I found is like, oh, yeah, they're making me want to watch the next episode. But they're also giving me stuff every time. They give me a little something to chew on, something to think about. Little and it changes. Some, little something, something. And they, chew, they change it up a little bit here and there. Um, it's not perfect, but it's very well done. And uh, that's something. Because there's a lot of crap, Paul. Most, most stuff is crap. Um, yeah, that's Sturgeon's Law, Jesse. Yeah, he's probably right about that. Although he's only probably 10% right of that. <laughs> just wow. like Just like Graham Hancock, only 10% right. I, I wouldn't even get Graham Hancock 10%. If you watch it, not for his his um, theses, but watch, watch it for the places that he goes, he goes to some very interesting places places that you I've I've never seen on film like uh, and I'm uh, you know I was uh, I'm not saying I'm Michael Crichton but I was like Michael Crichton in that I had many interests uh, and including like I had a subscription to archaeology magazine for a decade no not a decade for multiple years um, and was very interested took a little bit of archaeology at university I was very interested in archaeology because I wanted to be Indiana Jones. Turns out that it's slightly different. <laughs> yes, <laughs> slightly different. But um, what it meant was, you know, you're seeing what things are being dug up and what, you know, all the the techniques are very boring, uh, but they're very necessary. Um, but when you do them right, you get a lot of data, and it, it leads to you to make really interesting theses. Um, my big problem was, uh, around here, almost all archaeology is going to be most useless 
because you don't get a lot of metal, right? We're a wood-based culture here. Uh, Native people are wood-based. There's a little bit of um, non-wood stuff, but they didn't have metal tech. And uh, they were okay with having everything rot, right? Uh, totem poles, etc. So we get a, like a little bit of petroglyphs, but you don't need to do any archaeology for the petroglyphs. You just go look at them. Archaeology right. is digging in the ground and finding shit. And um, so if I was going to do archaeology, it would have to be not around here because I don't want to do just stone heads, you know, axe heads and such. The, there are some uh, things that were not popular when I was a kid in archaeology, uh, but are very popular now. There's an account on Twitter that's pretty cool. Um, I think you might follow them called uh, Recovered in Ice. Is that what it's called? It's basically uh, glacial archaeology where the glaciers are melting and they're, they go out there every day like beachcombers and just pull things out of the ice. That you know, It's like, holy shit, this thing's melting and there's like a, a it's not just an arrowhead, it's an arrow, right? Uh, quivers. Have you seen this account? I'm looking. I'm looking up. See if I'm following them already. Covered in ice. It might not. Reco- uh, covered in ice. Uh, maybe I'm making up the name. I think you're making up the name. In ice. Uh, glacier archaeology. Let's see. Um. Twitter. See what we come up. Secrets of the Ice. Secrets of the Ice. Um, the account name. Oh, what? Uh, the account name Secret. is Bear. Uh, sorry, Brer, like Brer, uh, Brer. Oh, yes. You got it. Um, yeah. And the you latest one is a lady uh, holding up uh, a 1,500-year-old arrow. And it's not just an arrowhead, Paul. No, it's no, the I whole see that. thing. It's a, big, it, it's a it's a big freaking arrow. But I like that. that is amazing, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So, so, I mean, it's kind of sad why we're able to find this stuff as the glaciers retreat. That's kind of heartbreaking. You got to be out there doing it. You got to be out there. Every but day. like, a, cause I, yeah, because I, like I saw a picture the other day of the Belvedere Hotel, which used to be a big, important, well. Visited hotel in the Swiss Alps, and no one visits anymore because the glacier has retreated out of sight. Mm-hmm. And now, so no one goes there anymore. Sad like, story. And so the, the hotel's closed. It is a very, it is a heartbreaking. So I think it's a sad story. It's a heartbreaking story. So, yeah. August eighteenth. Wow, they haven't tweeted in a long time. Oh no, that's the pinch. Okay, we're all right. Which reminds me, I need to get back to uh, Canadian Rockies at some point and see glaciers again. Uh, well, there's some Sometimes. glaciers outside the Rockies too, you know. There's a, there's I know a glacier that. right near I was here. A, I, I, um, is it a near, real glacier? Or is it yeah, rock glacier. Uh, it's uh, Garibaldi. Garibaldi Glacier. Yep. Um, you know, uh, all the stuff around here is named after. It's a funny name, right? Garibaldi um, Gla- Garibaldi Glacier. Uh, and I'm getting Garibaldi Glacier from from. Uh, it's near Squamish, um, which is near Whistler. I'm typing Garibaldi Glacier. I'm getting Chile. Um, Type in British Columbia. Garibaldi Neve. Okay. Garibaldi Lake is a turquoise-closed alpine lake in British Columbia. That's a lovely lake. 
It's, With, it's oh no, it's, it's 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 not, it's not Garibaldi Glacier. It's Garibaldi. It's Sphinx Glacier. Yeah, whatever. Which it's, is that Garibaldi? That, it's no, the there's a difference. It's the mountain. It's the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Mountains, Gandalf. Mountains. Um. Yeah. Let's see. Garibaldi Lake. Now it's I want to see. It's a day trip, and you can hike. Well, that's also. I, I was. I was just gonna put look on the map, see where I can, how to get there from here. Um. It's, yeah. You go you, up. Uh, you go. To, go up ninety nine. Apparently. Yeah. Just go up to 99 and go to uh, Highway 1 to 99 and then you're there. Rubble, Rubble Creek Trailhead. Yeah, it's, it's a Creek bit of a Trailhead climb. You go it's, it's like a two-hour climb maybe. And then you climb. And there's squirrels, uh, man. Lots of squirrels. Um, Ethereal Turquoise Provincial Park Lake. Bright turquoise lake played by a lava plug surrounded by mountains, glaciers, and rolling mountains. This sounds really like the kind of thing I like. Yeah, it's nice. And it's close to Vancouver, so it's a day trip, basically. Yeah, yeah what? Yeah, from visiting Vancouver, drive up. Mm-hmm. Follow up. And follow then up hike the coast. Up. There's a big, it's a big hike, but it's not impossible. I mean, if I can, if I can do kind of quasi-do Nepal, I can do this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No. This is easy compared Altitude to... Altitude would be better. Yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> Altitude be better than, than working Yeah, because you're in the middle of a continent and then you decide to go up a mountain. <laughs> Whereas this yeah. is right near sea level and then you go up a mountain. It's a lot easier. Much All right, easier. it is 12.06. It is time for me to go. Mm-hmm. So I will see you on the flip side. Maybe All right. I can get my computer working and play some PUBG. Yeah. But, you know, so it goes. All right. I will talk to you on the, I will talk to you. Thank you for chatting for podcast. Yeah. What do we got next week? Did you notice? Um, I know that you're going have, away in two weeks. We have Pursuit by Lester Del Rey. Oh, that's a short one, then, so I think. And we I have think. Heads of Cerberus and then I'm away. Yeah, for a couple of weeks. Oh my god, yes. Time, time, yeah. Sean was already asking me about day trips while I'm there if I want to do any. So And then Yeah. New Year. Wow, we're so close to the... I know, time's flying. Time is flying. Yep. All right, sir. All right. Thank you. Take, take care. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been the SFF Audio Podcast. Please join us at www.sffaudio.com. And thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider becoming a patron at patreon.com forward slash SFF audio. Retired before we went to anything more digital, so. Okay. Now, yeah. well, it's. Okay, this one's building a file, looks like. Or it was. For a, oh, yeah, okay, it's just hiding itself every couple of seconds. All right, so we'll give David a minute, I guess, and Mr. Pulp Covers will ping on Twitter. Do, 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 do. So what causes this new hum? Oh, I got a message from It's not a new hum. It's just a new computer. It's just I've a got computer. a work emergency. I'm on call to fix things if I get back in less than an hour. Sometimes I can. I'll let you know. I like Grave Descent. Kind of wish he had fleshed it out more. Oh, okay. See you when you arrive, if you do. <laughs> All right. And let's see if there's another one from...
Oh, uh, Misa says of Breakthroughs in Science by Isaac Asimov. Loving this book. I have had a chance to listen to that one. Me neither. Breakthroughs in I mean, I should... Is this pre-chat or is it for the podcast? Maybe it's... This is... But, this, we're in the pre-chat now. Cause okay, okay, so... Okay, so... So back in the day when the world was young, I really enjoyed the Isaac Asimov essays from the magazine of fancy science fiction, I think it was, that they collected into books. One of my earliest Asimov books, as a matter of fact, was a book called Asimov on Numbers. Mm-hmm. But they collected a bunch of his essays. Yeah. And I really, I mean, I wore out two of those, three of those copies of the book over time and no longer have a copy. I wish they would come out in ebook. They haven't. They never have, probably never will. I mean, some of them were a little out of date, but you know, um, they, they had a love and enthusiasm for science and mathematics and stuff that really, mm-hmm. you don't find a lot around. That you you want to see a big, a big number? Look at the uh, Goodread reviews on that Breakthroughs in Science. Okay. Because you never see books rated that high. Goodreads. They're almost all in Spanish or or foreign languages, but that don't matter. All right. Well, maybe Uh, maybe Isaac Asimov is better in the original Spanish. (laughs) uh, uh, Breakthroughs in Science? Mm Mm-hmm. Hummy, hummy computer, clacky keyboard. Yeah, I'm a no- I'm a noise thing. Breakthroughs in science. There it is. Uh, 4.09 rating. Right. Born to 34 reviews. Published 1959. That's, That's a very Spanish. high rating. Yeah, it's in Spanish. Yeah, there's that no, there's no uh, English. For some reason, there are some English reviews, but there's an uh, English version that says the 3.5 rating. Yeah, but the the Spanish ones are the hot ones. Who knew? I did not. Now we do. Twenty-six yeah. far-reaching discoveries and the twenty-nine scientists who yes. made them from Archimedes, who boasted he could move the world, to Goddard, who sent the first liquid rocket towards space. Mm-hmm. These men of vision and genius set their sights beyond the known to bring about. Hold advances, I think they mean bold advances, in scientific thinking and enlarge our knowledge of man and his environment. Yeah. Yep. That, that sounds very Asimov-y. Asimovian? <laughs> Asimovian. Asimovian. Um, uh, I, I, <laughs> they, 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 I mean, I did have, I lost, sadly, a copy of Asimov's book on the, uh, I mentioned, I meant to mention this last week and I forgot and talking about um, the Mark Twain book, mm-hmm. I, I I know my uh, Asimov did a book of the Bible where he talks about the Bible itself, the time, the period, the area. And I meant to bring that up in the context of when uh, Twain was running around uh, the Holy Land. Yep. I completely forgot to mention that. It's also been a long time since I've seen the book, much less have a copy of the book. So I would like one, but you know. They're expensive these days. Where are you going to put it? That's the problem. Yeah, I know. Shelf space. I am. Yeah, I have way too many books as it is, but you know, so it goes. But yeah, so as, but but that brings up that brings up the book I found today. 
found yesterday because I went to Uncle Hugo's. You you are familiar with Uncle Hugo's? Um, I, I think I know I've it burned Uncle down. <laughs> yes, and then they built a new and yeah. they and they bought a new space and got donations of books, including from me. Yeah. And so I hope you bought some of the books that you donated. <laughs> no, I did not bought, buy. I bought a book. I was hoping for something else. I was hoping. I was actually hoping for one of the Nespa Paul Anderson collections, mm-hmm. but they didn't have any. Instead, I found. I found something that wasn't science fiction at all, but by a science fiction author. And I thought it'd be a very interesting book to take a look at. This is your Black Friday purchase? This is my Black Friday purchase. It's called, it's by H.G. Wells, and it's called The Outline of History. Oh, yeah. Uh, How many volumes? It's just one volume, but it's a thousand pages. That's a big volume. I guess it's abridged. (laughs) No, it is not abridged. Unabridged history of the universe. well, yeah, basically, it starts off with uh, the world before man and ends with um, the formation of the United Nations. Hey, I know what a hot topic we could talk about is while we wait oh, a minute. Oh, God. <laughs> well, I, let me, I, I didn't send you, and, and the type, I didn't and send the you that many. Really, the type in this book is really small. So there's a lot in here. I mean, but it's like it's got it's got Wills' uh, penchant for for good writing and there's lots of uh yeah he's a great writer lots of stuff here i mean there's there's i mean some of the stuff is way way out of date it's like yeah you wouldn't want to take this uh take any of this seriously but but it, it, it's what it's, i'm hearing um, is history is passe <laughs> no 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 but it's history that has i mean it's kind of like it's kind of like um the will durant books they're good. They're good histories, but they're outdated in some respects, and they show the biases of the author and of the time, which don't always. Re- they sometimes that which sometimes really feels weird. Like okay, now I've gone to onto Will Durant. Like like in his Oriental Heritage book, was written in the 1930s. He talks about Gandhi as a contemporary and wondering what's going to happen to him, what he's going to do. That doesn't make it out of date. Well, well, well. We know we know the answers to those questions. Yeah. Um, but 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 also but also some of his theories about um, formation of civilizations and and he has an outdated look at um, he he's very much in a gib um, a given sort of mode when it comes to Rome's fall, which is not really the current um, level of scholarship. We've moved a long path, way past Gibbon at this point, as far as why did Rome fall and how did it fall? It was not decadence. Oh, I, I, yeah, I mean that's. I, I I don't follow the whole oh Rome never fault fault stuff. That's a very pow, very uh, common thread in scholarship these how days. How about Rome I, fell as soon as uh, there was an emperor? How about that? Um, that the 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 the, the, the fuse was lit as soon as Augustus took the throne. Uh, no, a, no, no, it was exploded. Augustus exploded it. Augustus exploded it. Oh, what? Well, nobody says that, right? No. Um. Well, Jesse, have you been following my Twitter? Except for all the Repub- uh, Republicans of the uh, ancient Republic, <laughs> they, well, they, no, they no, think he exploded. They, no, uh, well, I mean I follow your Twitter, but you, you, Scott mentioned the, you like tweeted like half a million things, and I'm like I haven't seen most of those. <laughs> um, I'm, I mean the latest thing I wound in, went round wound up in, mm-hmm. and is this um, how can I put it gently this um, 
Young Idiot. Oh. Yes. Yes. Pulp, 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 pulp. Remember, this is in the pre-show. I know it's in the pre-show. Uh-oh. It's fine. Uh-oh. Um, that young idiot who believes that the Roman Empire never existed and does TikTok <laughs> videos oh, oh. and and th- Twitter threads basically, quote-unquote, proving that the Roman Empire never existed. Uh, it sounds like somebody who's very thirsty. Bollocks. Wow. It's, it's, it, 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 it is I have not seen that. Um, it sounds buy- like Paul Bait. <laughs> um. It, it it it's definitely it definitely triggers me. Yeah. Um but it's like it it's apparently it's been around for a while, only now it just wound up on my shores because it's been around for at least a year or so. Mm. There's theories that she's half trolling. Clearly. But and, and she doesn't actually believe this BS, but yeah, I don't um but given that my uh, given that somebody I know believes conspiracy theories about Tartaria, I can't I can't discuss the fact that, that is. I had to look it up after someone told me that Tartaria was real. It's a conspiracy theory that the world is secretly controlled by a civilization originating out of the center of Asia. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I, it, 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 it is absolutely bonkers. I'm sorry. You have to say that again. I just got a message from um, uh, Alex. Oh, and yeah. the and- reason he's not joining us is because... Uh, Computer we, problems? We had a baby. Oh, wow. Well, that's a very good reason not there's, to join us. There's a baby pulp covers running around now, or crawling around, or crying. Uh, I don't think uh, there's no crawling yet, Jesse. It depends. But will be crawling. Depends. Uh, um, <laughs> so I guess it's just Squirming. you and I then? Yep, it's just you and I until, okay. Uh, okay. until um, David uh, gets his emergency done, if he does. Okay, so... So say, say that again, Tartaria. I'm sorry, I Tartaria. Was, I was it, looking it, it, at the message. It's, it, it's 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 a it's a conspiracy theory saying that a secret civilization in the center of uh, the continent has been controlling everything. Which continent? The the Eurasian ter- continent. Tartaria, actually. Um, here it is. Um, where is it? Tartaria conspiracy theory. The theory of great send, Tartaria. Send me the Wikipedia or whatever. I will send you the Wikipedia link. Thank you. But I also will talk because our yep. listeners will not be able to um, scroll down. Okay. To, 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 well, let's scroll, scroll down to Tartaria. It's, it's, it's okay. in this thing. Um, the right. theory of Great Tartaria says suppressed lost land of civilization originating in Russia with aspects first appealing in Anatoly Fomenko's new chronology, then popularized by the racial cult theory of Nikolai Lebeshoff. Um It's a conspiracy theory basically saying that there was a lost civilization in in the center of the continent that's been suppressed. Mew. And, um no 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 not 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 one that's sunk. It's just that this one that's been suppressed and evidence okay. of it is uh, I, I just ran my mouse over something and it showed a the con- lost continent of Mew. Uh which you know. That's a that's a that's that's a different conspiracy there entirely. But yeah, it's, right. I don't know anything about this one. I've never heard of this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I'm not well, sure well, this is a conspiracy theory. I think oh, this it, is just. It, 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 it is. I don't think it's a conspiracy. I th- I mean, it no, says well, that, 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 it says the word conspiracy there, but it's, it's, it's because it's like it's an artillery view architectural history that supposed that demolished buildings such as the Singa building, the Penn Station. Well, the worst are actually buildings of a vast empire that has been suppressed from history. That's conspiracy theory. 
that this oh, whole that oh, this Tartaria has been suppressed and released from history. It sounds like they wrote too many Bor- too much Borges. What I think. Wow, what a Borges what, slam. Um. Well, no, no, but but you know, like Tulan Upar Orbis Teridus is basically this theory. Mm, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's just like lost civilization suppressed from history, trying to come All back. Right. I I'm not familiar with this one. It, it's a and, but. but anyway, so yeah, so I, I, I want to talk about something we both uh, have a little bit in common with, which okay, is um, because I haven't read, I haven't heard of this thing, and I, you know, Wikipedia is where you start; it's not where you end, right? <laughs> no, but but I'm afraid of where this might go. What to Tartaria uh, or the yeah. one I'm going to talk about? Oh, okay. Well, um, yeah, but where are you going to go? Well, I you saw you go? tweet about it, and I watched the whole thing, and I want I thought it was really interesting. Um, it was the Graham Hancock Netflix show. Oh, What's dear it called? God. Oh, dear um, God. A- ancient Civilizations? No, no. Uh, ancient Apocalypse? Ancient Apocalypse. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yes. yeah. Oh, God, that thing. Oh, so God. how deep into it did you get? I got an episode in and think, okay, this is absolute bollocks. I'm not going to watch any more of this. Actually, uh, just actually, a single I episode? I, I actually started the second episode and... Then it's like yeah, then I turn off like yeah, I can't watch anymore. This this is this is crazy. Uh okay yeah. So let me see if I I've got um because um before he was having a baby. Um, before he was having a baby, Mr. Pulp Covers was tweeting about uh, Atlantis. Um, so I watched that Atlantis movie that I I think I sent you or nineteen sixty one. Yes, yeah, the one uh, I saw a long time. Pretty ago. good, pretty good movie. It's it's it, 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 it's solid George Powell stuff. So, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, there's that. some there's some things in it that are a little clunky, but um, it has a heat ray. <laughs> well, yeah, when he's when the guy is blowing up the boats in the harbor, with yeah, the heat ray, that's that's great fun. Yeah, it's and uh, you know it it's nice to look at. Um, there's some great model work. Uh, some people complained about it, but um, I mean, it's a product of its time. I accept it as it is. Um. So there was a Slate article about uh, that show. Was called Ancient Apocalypses. That's not, no. It's it's probably Ancient Apocalypse. Ancient Apocalypses. I, think. I don't or think it is. It's one. Maybe, I think maybe, he's talking. Okay. Let me. Let's talk about it me, he, Netflix. He might, he might, be, might be Hancock. Uh, ancient. <laughs> what's, okay. he, what's he called? Ancient Apocalypse. Ancient, singular. Okay, it's a singular. It's one. It's, uh, he's got one thesis. Um, that's he's just got one idea. Well, it's quite broad and silly in places. So uh, there's a, a Slate article called um, uh, "Oh, good Netflix's big new hit is promoting an absurd quote unquote theory about human history," and there's a quotation marks around the word theory. Um, so. It makes it sound like uh, theory is a bad I- idea. No, 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 no. The theory is a bad idea. This is not a theory. This is this yeah. Is, so uh, one, that's one what I wanted stuff. to talk about. Uh, that's what I wanted to talk about because I am particularly interested in words. I know you know this because I, I know. About them I know that almost all my jokes are word jokes. You know, like Mr. puns. Mr. Vocab. Yeah, it's it's like my favorite thing is finding out the the secret history of a vocab word, <laughs> the etymology, right? Um, and some of them are false, but they're still fun, like embarrass. Um, E-M means make, bear, 
an ass. <laughs> Somebody yes. pulled your pants down. It's a metaphor. It's not the true etymology, but it No, it's a false etymology. It's a false etymology, but it completely shows the meaning and students remember it forever. Um now, I don't tell them that that's the true etymology, but that is a an etymology that helps the comprehension of the vocab word. Um, so the word theory, right, comes from thesis and uh, the, T-H-E, um, meaning, like, belief. That's why we got... Uh, Theology. And, yeah, yeah. And, and um, the, uh, uh, atheist, right, as a person yeah. who doesn't believe, right? Um, and my favorite is hypothesis, because hypo is, like, kind of means too little, and hyper means too much. Kind of. It's not really what they mean, but it's a good way of thinking about it. So a hypothesis comes before a thesis because the thesis uh, has to be proved by or has to be supported by hypotheses. Right. So you don't come up with a uh, grand unified theory of, er of sandwiches never having seen a sandwich before. You have to have had experience of sandwiches and then decide whether a sandwich can have one piece of bread or two or multiple. Does it need oh, what, to have oh, two? What, you get, what does it constitute to have what, – what does bread actually constitute? Anyway? Exactly. What, what about a tortilla, right? Is that a, a piece of bread? It's a quesadilla a sandwich. Exactly. It's a taco a sandwich. Uh, in, indeed. And the guys at Golan Globus Theater were talking about this the other day, so – Shout out to uh, them for making me think about uh, theory, sandwich theory. <laughs> because it is true. An open-faced sandwich is still a sandwich because it has the word sandwich in it, right? But the sandwich islands are not a sandwich yeah. unless you're Godzilla or something, right? <laughs> Godzilla does not eat landmass. Well, it depends on the size of your uh, kaiju. <laughs> uh, that's a different kind. Of There's Galactus some Marvel character who eats planets, right? That's Galactus. Yeah. So Galactus is not a kai is not a kaiju because he's sentient. Uh, kaiju just means monster. So Daikaiju is is mo right. odd monster, right? Right. Yeah. But you know, Galactus has a personality, wants, needs, concerns, and above that, beyond an animal. So I don't cut. Godzilla is not a kaiju. That's an interesting theory, but I don't. No, no, no. He is considered a kaiju. Uh, I don't think so. No. I don't think you can consider Godzilla. He's a, he's a di dude. Look it up. That's where the word comes from. Like when the popularization of kaiju is is connected to Godzilla and Mothra. No, Godzilla. Yes. Yeah. I, I was talking about. I was talking about Galactus. Oh, I well, Galactus is not a kaiju. I, Godzilla if, is the or kaiju for sure. Okay. Well, what I'm saying is, uh, if some Japanese kid is looking up in the skies, Galactus is coming down with his big chompers to eat the planet, he, he might make uh, a mistake and say it's kaiju. Okay, he might, but he would be, it would be a mistake. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't really matter. But um, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about the word theory, right? So people use theory to say uh, it's unsupported. But a theory is always unsupported, right? So understanding how science works is we we propose an idea, we test it. If it comes back uh, not completely negative, like it's slightly supported, then we call it a theory. That's pretty much how it works, right? Um, well, well to, to go to the even if they're not theory, good tests, a, a theory is a supposition or a system of ideas intended to explain something, especially one based on general principles independent of the thing to be explained. Yeah. So. 
But the, I, 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 as I, opposed I to a hypothesis, which is a guess. Yes. So and you I, can't have – they're not called conspiracy guesses. They're called conspiracy theories. But yeah, be, be, Right, be, because – And conspiracies be, do exist. You will admit this. Conspiracies – there are far fewer conspiracies than actually exist in the actual world. You're saying some conspiracies are false conspiracies? Most, mo- most conspiracy theories are false. Ah, uh, that's not what I'm asking. How many I mean, conspiracies exist? Multiple ones. Do we know about all of them? Probably not, considering we're not in most of them, right? But if you and I have a plan to give Trish a birthday present, that's a conspiracy. Especially if we, yes. we coordinate at it, right? Um, it's not a very interesting conspiracy, but if she comes up with some... Uh, Her uh, birthday's in February, by the way. All right. Uh, so, yeah. All right, we'll think about uh, what we're going to give her. Uh, luckily, this will come out after that, so she won't know about it. This <laughs> By conspiracy. the time this is, she'll be past her birthday. That's right. She'll be working on her next birthday. Um, so if if we we uh, planned this out and um, she got wind of it somehow, like, I don't know, saw, saw a tweet that looked like a shopping item, I don't know, Amazon tweet or something, um, she goes, oh, my God. Those guys are conspiring, right? And she'd be That's right. Done. Not that I would buy from Amazon myself, but um, that yeah. So that the, the, definitely conspiracies exist. And uh, if you have a theory about one, that would be a conspiracy theory. It's it's not pejorative at all. It's just it comes to mean that like um, right wing is not a, a pejorative uh, by itself. It just means that if, in a certain context, right? Or left wing, or yeah, t- tanky, <laughs> or scab, or any of the you know words that people don't like. Replacement workers, right? So um, I'm not so worried about words being dangerous. So that quotation mark, the quote I got out of that uh, Slate article, um, is it's important to understand that it's coming from a very subjective place. It, it is not defined here. It's kind of the opposite of what science strives to do. It's coming from his personal conviction of what reality and truth are. So this is talking about this show, right? Yeah. And uh, what I liked most about the show is we get to go to lots of uh, archaeological sites around the Well, planet. this was kind of happened during mo- for the first episode because he was globetrotting around the world. but um... yeah, And promising future episodes he's going to do that. And he does. Um, every episode, he goes to some place on the planet and looks at uh, stuff and talks to certain people and has an agenda that he's trying to basically get people behind, which is uh, uh, support. So my my problem is not with the shows um, uh, having an agenda. Uh, I think there's some stuff in there. So... Um, what I said was, this is actually how theses work, right? It is, somebody says, it's important to understand that it's coming from a very subjective place. It's kind of the opposite of what science strives to do. That is not true. Um, it's coming from his personal conviction of what reality and truth are. So I, I said, this is actually how theses work. A person has an idea based on an observation or an insight, right or wrong, he or she presents it and then, it pre- and then presents evidence. Usually a thesis is wrong. Likely Hancock is wrong. I'm pretty sure he's wrong. Um, but that doesn't mean, you know, 
he's he's wrong. It just means he probably is wrong, right? Um, so his his thesis basically it, he doesn't fully state it because I think he's a bit afraid. Is that um, Atlanteans? <laughs> He never mentioned. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I, yeah, I mean, I already see where his. It's basically the plot of that movie, right? Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, 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 there was a there was a pre pre or interglacial ice age civilization called Atlantis, if you wish, which was destroyed by the flood, which seeded all of modern modern civilization. And well, see, I, I don't know if seeded is exactly right, but he, I, I no, I think seeded is the right word. No, I don't think so because it, he, he's, he's got, got he's messengers. Like he's got people. Those aren't seeds, right? No, I'm to, he talks seed, about giant. You didn't watch the whole thing, but eventually he's talking about giants. What? Um, he's talking about giants. Well, uh, he he basically what he does is he 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 um, takes a lot of inspiration from the local mythology of whatever places um, he's visiting. So um, in, uh, he doesn't go to Teotihuacan, but um, uh, what's the, who's the feathered serpent? That guy? Quetzalcoatl. Quetzalcoatl, right. So um, Quetzalcoatl's got a, a bunch of mythology. Some place in Turkey has a bunch of mythology, right? Um, some of the, uh, the, sculptures in um one of the places in turkey or i guess rocks with with uh, sculpture work on it um show things that could represent um star alignments um and he he goes very deep into star alignments uh this is you know standard stuff with uh what's the one in england the standing stones stonehenge that's the one all right, so Stonehenge is, you know, often connected in people's minds with star alignments and uh, it's like an observation place and blah, blah, blah. You know about this? What's that? You know about how uh, Stonehenge is used to... Uh, people People think that it's connected to observing the stars. Yeah, because of the alignment of the stones, you know, the the rising and falling based on solstices and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, basically, he's saying that that's that's very important, and that all the places he goes to, he tries to show those connections. Um, you know, like Great Pyramid of Giza points north, right? And then there's this thing, and uh, even that snake uh, snake mound place in was it Ohio? Um. Yeah. The, I've never the, been there. The, the, there's there's yeah the Snake Mound place in Ohio. There's the um the mounds outside St. Louis. Mm-hmm. So the Snake Mound place outside Ohio. There's the there's the uh an, he, lines, the ancient, he lines yeah, up ancient. the head of the snake with uh, Sirius, and he lines up um the coils of the snake or the the turns of the snake with various other positions. Um, he's got he's got a, a thesis saying. Seems like uh, a lot of rocks uh, and mounds in this case um, that are around the Earth are uh, doing sort of ancient observatory work, right? The problem with it being an observatory is they're not using telescopes. There's no evidence for telescopes, which there is in that movie. Uh, what was it called? The uh, Atlantis, the something something. Atlantis, the something, something. Um, the Lost Continent, I think. Yeah. And it was the Lost Continent, 1961. Yeah, 1961. George Powell. Yeah, pretty good movie. Um, so that one actually starts with 
with the exact thesis that he doesn't really state. Um, uh, Hancock doesn't really ever state it. But it basically says, isn't it interesting that all these cultures in South America and all these cultures in uh, the East uh, have built pyramids, etc.? Right, and that that's where you're like, I, that's a bridge too far, sir. <laughs> right, um, and obviously uh, there is no uh, lost continent in the middle of the uh, Atlantic Ocean because uh, we can see the bottom of the ocean there, and it's clearly not there. Um, so he hasn't he doesn't go quite that far. He doesn't he doesn't ever present anything that's false. Um, but uh, here's what I here's what I wrote about this because I think this is very true. Um, I think a lack of books, dirt bikes, and Starcraft can explain all the megaliths. Right? If you can't read, and you can't uh, play around on dirt bikes because dirt bikes haven't been invented yet, and Starcraft and mice and keyboards and monitors and speakers and the internet don't exist, what do dudes do? That's what they do. They <laughs> move big rocks around. They, they, they build megaliths. They big rocks. megaliths. And the, you know what? They're going to build a ton of other stuff too. Tree forts. And all the tree forts rot and fall out of the trees after, you know, 10,000 years. Guess what doesn't rot? Big megaliths. <laughs> Megalithic projects. Those don't rot. But yeah, we, like, like, for example, like on, on Mastodon, someone shared a picture of this, um, some standing stones in... Uh, Northern Scotland, I like those. Those look great, but it took a lot of effort and time for people to haul those rocks there. But they did it. But that's what dudes do. They love. Yeah, that exactly. Shit. They love building bridges and you know uh, tinkering with aircraft and right. It's what the dudes do all day long. We got nothing but time. Women are busy playing with babies and nursing, and dudes love dirt bikes, <laughs> monster trucks. <laughs> some of them God. like reading books but if you can't read and you don't have monster trucks what do you do get big rocks and move them around it's 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 much simpler than you, you know you don't have to go and like once you see a guy you know sort of moving a big rock you say what the hell that's a lot of effort why are you doing this why are you moving this rock thousands of kilometers because i like i want to observe the stars mm. like that orf is crazy I kind of like him. <laughs> it starts helping him, right? It's it's very simple. That's completely explains it. You don't need to have a lost civilization to explain all this. Um, yeah, so and, and, and there's also, um, to put it a put it bluntly, there is a lot of um, cultural racism to the idea. Oh no. Not in not in the way he does it. Not in the way he doesn't. I, I, not... I think there is. I mean, because because from the one part episode says he, he's talking about oh how these civilizations couldn't possibly have built that built that they're older. He never than... said he never said he, they couldn't possibly have done this. He he he's very he dances careful. around those. He's de- but that's where he's going. For he's going like oh no, it couldn't have, it couldn't have been these primitives who did it. it he, never, he never talks, he never talks uh, disparagingly about any particular race. That's no, um, I can read is, between the lines, Jesse. I, 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 I understand why I understand why it's pretty strong. I, I understand it, it rhymes with things we've seen in the past. It very, I, I, I mean, but I'm, I think people get 
uh, some people get oversensitive to this stuff. So no, a really, no, no. I, I want to give you an example, a really good example. You know, Noble Savage, right? That sounds horrible. Everybody knows this sounds horrible. Yes. It's not as horrible as you think. Um, hey, I'll tell well, you why. Or, 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 okay. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> because nobles uh, were not a thing in North America, right? That's uh, a thing from Europe. Um, nobles are the ones who have a really easy lifestyle. Um, well, that's not true. There were nobles in both the uh, Aztec and the uh, the Aztec, the Mayan, and the Incan cultures. They yeah, they're nobles. they're not the ones who get the appellation, though, are they? Um, no, they're not the ones who get called noble savage. No, anybody who's got an empire is not called a noble savage. See, the idea here is all these these peasants essentially, but they're not peasants because they don't have you know, this structure, live a lifestyle that is very, like, easy. They get to do uh, very little of what they don't want to have to do. Like, we spend a lot of time at work. I know you do. I don't spend as much time as you do at work. Um, And you would prefer not to spend eight hours a day and the commute. Uh, And a lot of what you're doing there is waiting, right? You're waiting for problems to arise. Then you're waiting on other people. Um, oh, that, sure. That's, you know, the s- standard sort of problem. And, you know, waiters at restaurants, it's where they get their title from, is they're waiting for people, waiting for people to finish their food, waiting for pe- waiting. Waiting at tables has come to uh, <laughs> come to mean uh, serving tables, right? Pay your server. But a waiter is literally what a waiter does. He waits. So uh, Noble Savages uh, was an admiration of the lifestyle of these people who didn't have well, well, horrible at least, work. Uh, at least, at least the perceived lifestyle. I mean, no, the, no, the, dude, I mean, we, if we, you we, study we, we, the we, local people around we, we, here, they spent most of their time, like not working. They were doing cultural activities. They were uh, what, doing what, what, fun what, things. The, 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 the Pacific Northwest is, very much the exception to most of the rest of the content. No, the Pacific Northwest no, is, that, it works no, for the Plains Indians too, the Buffalo people. No, no, no. They they had much. The, the Pacific Northwest is was is particularly rich in temperate climate, lots of food and resources, not a lot of effort needed to maintain that sort of lifestyle. So that's why you wind up with lots it's of extra true across time the, to do things across. like. The, the continent, I, I the mean, that, head smashed in Buffalo like Jump. Canada. This is a place pre-horses, right? This is a place in the plains of Canada. Um, it's a, a little town called Head Smashed in Buffalo Jump. Basically, it's yeah. a natural formation where natives could basically cause food to f- rain from the sky. You set up like a, a cordon around a, a bunch of animals and you scare them. They run off the cliff. There's food for days. Uh, animal skins for days, right? It's it's like okay, everybody get together. We're going to go hunting. It's it's super easy, barely an inconvenience, as that guy on YouTube says, right? That is, it's like if you don't commodify everything, if you're if you're even hunter gatherers today, right? That's there's still a few around. They generally have fairly good lives. There sickness, yes. There's disease occasionally. There's some sometimes famine. Yes, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I mean, the 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 romanticization of 
hunter gatherers as the noble savage is a is 18th century European romanticism gone mad. I mean, I won't. I, 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 as I was going to say, the the Pacific Northwest is particularly rich and blessed, and that's why you wind up with such a rich culture. You wind up with the wind up with the uh, the pole, the lodge poles, and all that other stuff that they mm-hmm. produce because the, they had plenty of. Those time are the ones that but, rot because they don't uh, make them out of stone, right? Right, but but other but other hunter gatherers across. North America were not at didn't have such a. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know much about the Biafic because they're extinct, but I do know that across Canada, wherever I, you've I, got, I, I, I mean, I mean, the Sioux, the Iroquois, all these others did not have have such an easy life. I mean, their their I, lives were nasty and brutish, and they engaged in lots of nasty warfare with each other over resources. It well, was not a lot of not the, any sort of idol. Yeah, any sort of idol whatsoever. I mean, I, I think it's dangerous to to think about specific time periods post contact because there's a lot of pushing of peoples around, right? So i i can't I can't speak to you know the Trail of Tears as being you know. I'm not even going Trail of Tears. I'm going. I'm going pre. I'm going pre. I'm going. I'm going pre-Columbian. Pre-Columbian cultures. I mean, most of them. I mean, I don't living 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 in a Stone Age culture is hard, Jesse. It's not. It's not. It's not it's, as, it get, I it think get, you need to look into this because there's a really cool um, phenomena that when when you see people kidnapped, like by the Comanches or whatever, um, they don't want to come back. They don't want to leave the society. They like the quote unquote primitive society. They prefer it. They don't want to be rescued. And it isn't all just brainwashing either. There's like legit, like this is, this is something that uh, we saw in uh, Taipei, right? Uh, the book. But yeah. we, we also see it like in Hawaii where people who are in the Navy and they get off the ship where they're basically forced to work all day in terrible conditions, you know, bad food, discipline, hitting, no girls, it sucks, right? They go off into the woods and they find beautiful people who want to kiss you and they get, have food that they just reach up a tree and there's food right there and it it's warm all year. You can sleep outside practically, right? It's like it's an attractive thing. So just the word noble savage, it conjures up things in people's mind that is not necessarily present in the first presentation. So that's actually kind of what I'm, I like to focus on is, is like, what are people actually saying here rather than just smearing? Because Hancock is wrong. I'm pretty sure about that because I I have my thesis, which is dirt bikes are cool and everybody knows this. And as soon as dirt bikes are invented, dudes want to ride them. And they want to tinker with them and go over jumps, right? But when you don't have that, you still need to find something that's cool. Uh, sailing or what, whatever it is, is cool. So um, I put a couple of examples here, and I think you will agree with both, uh, at least one of them. Um, Heinrich Schliemann, right? We all know who he is. He's the guy who uh, dug up Troy and a bunch of other places. And Mycenae, too. yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Um, and he was a rich guy. And he basically invented archaeology. He, he was not an archaeologist by training, right? Because there were no archaeologists. There was just a rich guy who wanted to 
find Troy. And he starts digging, and he does it all wrong, and he fucks it up, and he gets tons of mistakes, and his claims are wildly inaccurate. That's not the Mask of Agamemnon, dude. But he thinks it is. True. Now we know that he's wrong, but his thesis was this is this is Troy. And I don't I'm slightly convinced that it's Troy. Why not? Well, one of the, one, one of the, one of the cities may have corresponded to a city that existed at the time, but we think yeah, that something like Church Lord occurred, occurred, but you know, it's it's calling it's it Troy like, doesn't hurt anything right now. I'm I'm not committed to it as a hundred percent. There's no signpost that he dug up, or you know, there's no uh, bones. Welcome the, to Troy. Yeah, yeah. There's no bones of the uh, the horse, right? Because it's made out of wood. <laughs> so it's it's going to be hard to prove unless you get a time machine. So I'm good with it, calling it as a working thesis that he dug up Troy. That's fine. Um, but that mask of Agamemnon, it's not it's not the right date. We figured that out. He didn't know then. That's fine. People can be wrong. Uh, but I think an even better case is Alfred Wegner. You know, heard of him? He's um, continental drift theory guy. Yeah, that. yeah. So um, he got like and, and then- shut out, right? Like people didn't like his stuff, and he didn't actually have enough evidence. Um, he, he didn't have a mechanism because we didn't know enough about. He didn't like have a mechanism. Uh, he ha- he he actually had a mechanism. What he didn't have was the evidence to support it. Right. So basically, he didn't have a carbon, not carbon dating, uh, radio, radiocarbon. It's not. Uh, there's some geological version of radiocarbon dating. Um, that uh, when you compare rocks over here in you know South Africa, South. South America, with South America, and East Africa. Africa. Yeah, so. It's like these are the same, you know. This is the same rock, and we can date it to a certain day. There's a whole bunch of different dating methods, but basically, we have a lot of evidence that he was right. Tons of evidence now. But I, when I he mean, presented I mean, it, he was like, he was roundly blocked and. And didn't see any well, sort of. Well, you laughed out of the room, yes. Yeah, and and you know, not just laughed at. Like he was he was challenging people who said, "No, we know how this is." And so I I'm sort of half on Hancock's side in that I know that there are a lot of things not um, uh, not legit um, out there, but and you know his thesis is very likely wrong, but. He is pointing to a bunch of things, and those things are evidence. If you want to not do digs because you are upset that the person who's suggesting doing digs is uh, somebody who's challenging you, that's a bad thing. Academia does that. We know this, right? It happened in geology, and those guys died off, and then younger people say, you know, that guy... His theory looks pretty good. I mean, just look at the map. That's what he's doing, right? His insight, Alfred Wegner's in, in, insight was not uh, based on on his knowledge that it was true. It was his gut feeling. And that's actually kind of, you know, Alfred, uh, Alfred Einstein's story, too. He didn't know what was happening and observe things. What he did was he looked at the evidence around and he said, this is really interesting, and then he says, what if? And then he did the math. 
And then people said, that's very interesting. But what made him so famous, what made Albert Einstein Albert Einstein, is not actually his formulation. Like, he is so important, right? Like, as a figure, people say what a smart person is. They point to that guy with the funny hair. Why is he yeah. so important as opposed to Newton or, you know, Galileo or wh- whoever? The, re- the reason is, one, is we've got pictures of him, photographs, right, a video of him. Um, and two, his theory was tested in real time during his life and published in the newspapers all over the planet, right? They did the observations of the sun uh, right. or the transit and, of Venus. Right. And they said, holy and, shit, right. this guy's Mercury, theories hold up. Yeah. It was Mercury, not Venus. Mercury, yeah. sorry, you're right, you're right. You're right. It's Mercury. So that the very fact that like he, he comes up with a theory that's testable and he's not pulling it out of his ass. He's he's coming up with an insight, and it was an insight, and then he learns the math to do it and comes up with it, and then people are like, holy shit, that's amazing. Now, compare this to Michio Kaku, who has not done any, oh, right? He's all over television. Nobody challenges him. He's all over the radio. Nobody challenges him, and his is untested, untestable, even worse, right? Literally, you cannot test the string theories. They're, they require, you know, equipment that is the size of solar systems to test or bigger. And, yeah. and, and what we're really thinking is probably there's some forces out there that we really don't understand. And we know this because we're naming them dark matter. There's literally no dark matter, bud. <laughs> it literally does not exist. And dark energy literally is just a fudge factor. We don't know what's going on there. Our numbers don't add up. Einstein says this is going to work and it doesn't work. What the hell's going on? And so they come up with explanations that don't involve observations. So Hancock is getting a lot of heat. And yeah, he's wrong. Most likely, likely wrong. Uh, we don't need that. I, I've got a better explanation. I've seen what dudes like to do. <laughs> dudes like to move rocks around when there's nothing else to move around. The dirt bike theory of civilization. Yeah, uh, and Starcraft. Yeah, I mean, think about what the hell are they doing on Easter Island? What the fuck are they doing that for? Uh, have you ever seen the movie Rapa Nui? Yeah. Yeah, I did. I I mean, it's... it's, it's, uh, it's other things in that movie, like they, they put ladies in caves for years, right? To make their skin <laughs> super pale. Why would they do that? Because that's what you do when you don't have books and the internet. <laughs> you don't have dirt bikes and airplanes and trains. Like, you know, the amount of pulp magazines into trains is bizarre, Paul. Why are people... Um, it, it, literally, if you... Because it, trains are cool. Trains exactly. Are cool, exactly. You know, uh, that uh, there's a new Avatar movie coming out. I haven't seen the trailer for it yet. But um, whenever yeah. I think about James Cameron, I... I totally like i didn't see it at the time but you know what makes james cameron movies so good and they're all good right is there a bad james cameron movie um i'd have to think about that i, I would say it, titanic is the solid. worst one and it's good and, and that one made a billion dollars right 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 <laughs> what do we know uh, well i i can kind of explain that one uh, as why it was like so successful is that was it was also for girls whereas all of his other movies are basically for boys right there's a robot <laughs> Boys like robots. It's got killer legs and killer arms, and it's come back in time. Wow. So some girls might like that. But 
we know dudes like that, right? And one of the things you'll see in every James Cameron movie is he likes, like, big equipment. Like, in the very first scenes of of um, Terminator, when you see some guy come through time, or the Terminator come through time, there's, like, a truck. It's just like a garbage truck in the scene, right? You remember it? Um, mm-hmm. There's a guy in a garbage truck or very early in the morning picking up garbage with the lift loader thing. And this sort of is echoed at the end of the movie with the, the thing that crushes the Terminator. And then... Power circle or sphere, and suddenly a naked man appears. Um, in every Terminator movie and every James Cameron movie, he has like big trucks, like semi truck, semi tractor trailers. He's got submarines and and other ones. He's got uh, in the Avatar movie. There's like uh, I don't know airplanes and. He, do, he doesn't do a lot of trains, but he does a lot of, like, big equipment, <laughs> like, that can be controlled. Like, there's mechas in, in Avatar, right? I remember the game Mech Warrior and Battle. Oh, yes. It, right? Those games largely appeal to the same sort of little kid who likes having a toy truck in the, you know, dump truck that can dump things and a digger, right? It's very simple. <laughs> We're very simple creatures. And because he's so into it, and then he wraps a story around these big trucks and big, you know, diggers and uh, and what's Titanic but a giant ship? <laughs> and it's just everything's big, and and so and so that explains it all. Oh. It's like that's the appeal. <laughs> you don't have to say you know James Cameron's, um, you know, the greatest thinker of all time. He's not. He just he really knows trucks. <laughs> and he wraps a story inside it, uh, you know, a thing that appeals to little boys. It's done. <laughs> How, uh, the grand unified theory of uh, why James Cameron movies are good, as opposed to you know, uh, Quentin Tarantino movies, I guess, are feet based. <laughs> Maybe we should talk about a book now. All right, let's do it. All right. Um, All right, the, the order is Jesse Paul. <laughs> I don't know. That's you sure we're not missing somebody? <laughs> All right. Let me Oh, hey, I got a picture. That is a very sleepy baby. Sleepy cute baby. I got a picture of sleepy cute baby Aww. Alex. I uh, well, I don't know what Alex's name new baby name is, but um all right. Uh, Hancock's finished. I'm going to type in... What's the name of this book? John Lang. You forgot the, you forgot the name of the oh, book. Oh, Grave Descent. Doing. Grave Descent. Yeah. It's just the name of the ship. That's all. Not, that's not all. Yeah, there it is. All right, here we go. You got your recorder on? I'm still going. Okay, here we go. <laughs>